I love getting letters that you guys write, and I can't read them all in the air, but we do answer every single one, so keep writing, and I can guarantee you this. You'll get a response either by email or right here on the air. Like, for example, this letter from Kevin in San Jose, California. Kevin writes, Hey, Alex, love the podcast, especially the episode where you interviewed Ice-T. He's my favorite rapper, and you did a great job getting him to talk about stuff he never talks about. Super interesting dude. Well, Kevin, I'm glad you enjoyed that episode, but I got to be honest with you, Ice-T was never on this podcast. I'd love to have him on, but because I've never interviewed him, clearly you were listening to a different podcast. But I'm glad you enjoyed the show, whichever show that was. It sounds like they did a great job. Kevin then writes, P.S., can you send me an official coffee mug? All right, Kevin, we don't have an official coffee mug, so what about an unofficial one? Can I send you one of those? I've got one with a hummingbird on it that says, take your time. Another is of a panda sleeping on a hillside. Very cute. And the last option is one that says, UC Berkeley, class of 2000. That one actually belonged to our old producer, David Chang, who now works for another podcast. Maybe that was the one you were listening to, Kevin, so let me send you that one, okay? Sound good? All right. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Not the one that Kevin was listening to, but the one you're listening to right now. Check this out. of my guest today on the program, Marlody. Let me tell you a little bit about Marlody. Bringing to mind a lo-fi Kate Bush mixed with Cat Power and Beth Orton, the Kent-born Marlody is a revelation. Her debut album, I'm Not Sure at All, is a rich and lustrous affair, filled with confident songwriting about feeling unconfident. And that's the beautiful thing about Marlody. Her music is a delicious cauldron of contrast that's redolent with vulnerability and strength. The songs on I'm Not Sure at All ache with longing and uncertainty, yet then ring out with bursts of sure-footed courage, poise, and tenacity. A trained classical pianist with an orchestral future set out before her, Marlody tossed traditionalism aside and immersed herself in indie noise rock like shellac and slint and along the way found a through line that linked the classical with the cacophonous. I love this album. It's one of 2023's great finds, and Marlody's music is a riveting and spellbinding listen. So let me introduce you. Here's me and Marlody having a conversation. 
right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast. Um, because my album was um, launched on the 13th of January and then I did a gig, well, I did a live radio session on the 13th of January and then I did a gig on the 14th and a gig on the 15th, like sort of launch gigs. So, um, yeah, it's been quite, that was a full weekend <laughs> and obviously like leading up to that, preparation for that was... Um, yeah, quite a lot of stuff to do. Um, so, yeah, I've been busy. Um, and it's been fun. Did they both go well? And, and how hard are you on yourself after a, after a show? Um, I feel like they both went well. They were different in kind of character. Like, one was in a an old um, a church like a Unitarian um, meeting house um, and it's quite a beautiful building and it was quite atmospheric and um, there were quite a few people there and it was it was fun but I had sort of um, the front row was my children and like my mother-in-law and stuff so I sort of um, imagined I was just like playing to just them so I, I didn't really um, worry too much about the audience as a whole, I, I tried to just pretend I was just playing at home or something. Um, so that was, that was nice. And then, um, then the next day playing in London was different atmosphere, but, um, it was fun. It, it was, yeah, it felt like a nice cozy, it was only quite a small venue. So it was, um, I didn't feel as nervous as I was expecting. I think I was more nervous about the live radio session. That was, I was, in, in fact, when I was asked to do that about a week before I actually did it, I forgot to eat for like over 24 <laughs> hours. I just, uh, it got to the next day and it was like dinner time. And I was like, oh, I didn't eat since um, yesterday afternoon. And I, it just hadn't occurred to me to eat. I'd just been so like, adrenalized I guess that I, I just hadn't I just lost my appetite completely so I was very nervous about that but um luckily the um the DJ um John Kennedy his name is he was super friendly and um he sort of put me at ease so at, at the time of the actual event um I kind of tried to imagine I was just playing to him and it was it was all all right I sort of forgot about the fact that other people were possibly listening <laughs> are you one of those people that when you get nervous about something that you can only think of the thing that you're nervous about which is why you might forget to eat or do something else yeah I get a bit obsessional about things but um I tried to tell myself that nervousness is the same thing as excitement it's like it's it's pretty much the same sensations so 
I tried to tell myself, oh, what you're feeling now, it's not nerves, it's excitement. So that's okay. Excitement is a good thing. It's a positive thing. So you can enjoy it. Enjoy those weird feelings of your stomach going into knots and yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's something kind of electrifying even about fear or nervousness that you can you know, use the momentum of the emotion and channel it into something that could hopefully be positive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like that sort of the surges of adrenaline, I guess. It can can be helpful, I suppose. Um, It's tricky, though, because when you're like playing music and it's maybe quite a calm sounding song feeling like your heart's pounding isn't very it's it doesn't really help it doesn't sort of um yeah it doesn't really help the song but um i did this thing I've, i've been doing this sort of breathing technique to help like keep me calm sometimes and um i was I was playing at the gig in London and I thought, oh, I wish I could do that breathing thing now, that special breathing technique right now while I'm in the middle of this song because I feel really scared. But then um, just thinking about doing it actually um, calmed me down. So I thought, oh, that's really good. I can tap into that. I'll just think about that, taking those like deep breaths and it just calmed me down and brought me back into the moment. So, yeah, it's quite a useful little tool I found for myself in the middle of a gig. <laughs> Where did you get the breathing technique from and what and what is it exactly? Oh, I think um when I had some sort of therapy I have bipolar disorder and I've had like various sort of um therapists and stuff over the years and <clears throat> one one particular therapist was like helping me cope with stress and stuff and she told me about this i think it's called square breathing but i i sort of i didn't really do it exactly how she told me to but um it's basically just taking deep breaths and counting just focusing on your breathing it's i guess it's a bit like meditation or something it's just a, a point of focus and um yeah something to bring your attention to to take it off maybe racing thoughts or whatever else the the problem is. <laughs> and it has a kind of narrowing, like an emotionally narrowing effect probably. Yeah. 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 It sort of brings me back into the here and now and stop some of those maybe unwanted thoughts. I think one of my favorite poets has this great line where he says the world must have been terrifying before um, there were names for things. And so when it comes to something like you were mentioning bipolar disorder, it's sort of like, does it help to talk about it and to sort of, I, you know, once it was identified, I'm sure that made things make more sense and made it more navigable. Um, is that something that you find useful in your life to sort of give it, to give it that kind of agency and 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 talk with it instead of talking around and pretending it's not there? Yeah, definitely. Like, being able to identify that that's what what I've struggled with is um, 
it's helpful and it's easy it's easier to sort of explain to other people um you know i have this thing called bipolar disorder because people might have heard of it and then it gives them a, some sort of sense of some of my uh ways you know some of the struggles that i've had um can be identified by that label i suppose um yeah i definitely think like names of things are helpful like yeah being able to put a label on something is just clarifies what it is you're dealing with once you sort of know the name of the beast you can start to work out ways of coping with it living with it yeah <laughs> yeah the beast needs a name before you can defeat it yeah other, right. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> what are we, what are we doing? And it's also really helpful, I think, for people who listen to the program. A lot of young artists who are, um, you know, just starting out and sort of figuring out what their what their artistic life and trajectory looks like. And those who uh, are dealing with a lot of the same beasts that you're talking about, mm -hmm. um, can you at least tell me, in, in terms of how much of your life did you live before you even knew what what that beast was? Um, well, I was only diagnosed with it, um, a few years ago, so I've lived most of my life without having a label for it, but I mean, I've, I've always known that I've struggled with depression and anxiety, um, those things have been quite, um, sort of, I've been quite aware of that for my most of my adult life even when I was a teenager as well yeah so um yeah I think um um it took well it took a long time to get a proper diagnosis because it was only really when I was having like psychotic episodes that then it was more obvious that yeah this is actually what are they call bipolar one um yeah it's not just depression it's not just anxiety because i was having manic episodes as well so um yeah but i, I did i mean even when i was quite young i i did have those sort of highs as well the um manic episodes but they weren't so clear cut they weren't I, I wasn't having such um like psychosis really so it was probably less obvious to other people what was going on yeah was art always a really good bomb for the rawness of that experience for you was was art always a sort of refuge in terms of as a coping mechanism as a emotional translator hmm. um i think well i always used to enjoy when i was quite young i used to like writing stories and stuff but i don't think i really used 
um, writing music as um, but that came a bit later in my life, really, because when I was young, I, I used to play a lot of music, but it was all like classical stuff. And I didn't really engage with it. Um, it was more like a a pressure to perform. So it was more of an obligation rather than something that I um, did out of love so um but I, i'm glad that i went through that because it gave me the language of music so that now i can use it to to sort of process my thoughts and feelings and express myself i suppose um yeah so it, it all that hard work when i was <laughs> you know a kid um, many hours sitting playing the piano they sort of gave me a bit more of a ability to play like intuitively now I, I've kind of forgotten most of the theory that I ever learned I can't I, I'm not that good at naming chords or anything like that I I mean I studied music at, at school but I didn't I didn't really like the theory side of it particularly um, so yeah i tend to just play by you know this sounds nice therefore i'm gonna i'll keep those notes <laughs> i don't know what they're called anymore i mean i know obviously i know what the names of the notes are and all that but i, I can sort of read music and stuff but um yeah i i kind of let most of the theory slip by the wayside um over time i suppose yeah was your first instrument, was it piano? Yeah, yeah, I started playing piano when I was six. And then I also play the flute, <laughs> but not very often, just every now and then I get a flute out and play it. But um, yeah, piano was my main instrument. I would love to be able to play guitar, but um, I've never, I did, I, I've, I've got a guitar, but I can't play it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I never, I never really play it. Um, I get too frustrated. To I was going to say I'm too lazy to learn, but I don't know if it's really laziness. It's more like I'm too impatient because I, I sort of know how I want it to sound, and my fingers don't know what they're doing. So, whereas on the piano, I can just, um, you know, my fingers know roughly where to go to make a nice sound but on the guitar I'm sort of faffing around and I just get frustrated and give up and go back to the keyboard <laughs> was your was the the original plan when you were a kid well what was the plan what was the hope with your piano studies was it was it to go to university and and then play in an orchestra was that sort of the idea well I think people um were keen to meet for me to um be a uh, like a concert pianist or or something like that but um i think it became more apparent like when i was i felt quite um i didn't want to let anybody down so i tried quite hard to 
to please people and in, in sort of you know performing and stuff and practicing a lot but um because I did I really liked my teachers and stuff they were really nice people so um I felt a sense of obligation to do my best at it but I definitely never wanted to be a performer of any kind of I was terrified of performing I've got really bad stage fright and stuff so there wasn't anything that I wanted to do so as I got older I um you know when the opportunity arose to sort of let it fall into the background then I I didn't pursue it so but then uh when music became something like fun to do with my friends um then I sort of took it up again so when I was in my 20s early 20s I played in a band with some friends a kind of um post-rock lo-fi band um yeah playing keyboard and singing and that was really fun we did some gigs and stuff and that was I guess that was when I first decided oh music is actually really fun <laughs> like you know, like making music with friends I mean I did I used to enjoy playing in um orchestras or like singing in, in choirs and stuff when you're surrounded by that kind of wash of noise it's quite um an uplifting experience but um yeah playing in a band with friends was fun i like that a lot <laughs> so it kind of revived the idea or or it sort of repackaged or reimagined um the musical dream right it sort of gave you a different look like oh this might be a way of doing the thing i was doing but doing it differently yeah. Yeah, yeah, a way of actually sort of engaging in it in a different, from a different perspective, like, yeah, of it being something that I wanted to do rather than something I felt pressurized into, yeah. Are you uh, an introvert or an extrovert? Definitely an introvert, yeah. I definitely have never been an extrovert. I think maybe, like, occasionally when I've, been in more of a sort of elevated mood like um maybe sort of hypomanic and stuff um I occasionally have these sort of well when I was young I'd I'd get quite um I don't know what the word is not wanting to be the center of attention exactly but making like maybe making a fool of myself or um making myself be noticed but in stupid ways like oh, I don't know just making myself yeah making myself look ridiculous or something but that's definitely not my actual character really I, I don't like being seen or noticed or observed in any way I find it quite um daunting and yeah 
much rather to keep myself to myself. because I you know every musician I've interviewed when that question comes up the answer is always introvert always mm. not <laughs> one musician has told me they're an extrovert not one <laughs> and then of course obviously the irony of that is but yet <laughs> you're you have a performative life right like where you've chosen um you know to be on a stage where the spotlight is on you and people are wanting to hear you sing and play your songs and they're looking at you right because they're mm -hmm. because they because they like you and because they are attracted to the work that you're doing and they're inspired by it and so there's this beautiful exchange there but in order for that exchange to happen it has to you know it has to happen in person on that level right and so you are in, in you have chosen a kind of performative life or a life that has a performative element i should say um, which really, I would imagine, challenges your your introversion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not like I've I didn't exactly choose to perform. I haven't. I've just kind of fallen into it almost, like because <laughs> um, like these songs on on my album that I've just um, released, I just I never made them with any intention of putting them into the public realm I just made them for myself they're just my own thoughts and emotions it's just me sort of processing you know experiences I've had really um and it's only because I I sort of shared shared a song with a friend um and then that got shared with another friend. So like a friend of a friend, basically it ended up with um, um, the people that run the record labels that I'm with, um, Rob and Amelia, um, 
Rob Percy and Amelia Fletcher. Um, Rob uh, heard one of my songs and said, um, basically asked if I'd want to come and play at a little um, gathering um, at his uh, place. And I sort of thought, oh, I don't know about that. That sounds a bit, <laughs> sounds a bit scary, but uh, it was just, it's just quite a, it was quite a low key um, thing. And I thought, ah, oh, okay, why not? I just decided I'll, I'll just say yes to things. So just for the sake of pushing myself a bit and doing something that made me a bit uncomfortable and seeing where that got me, because I think it's quite good to challenge yourself sometimes. And although I found it quite scary, I thought, I'll just, it gives me sort of a sense of something to aim for. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try that. So I did, I played just a little, little gig in their um, barn to a few people. And, um, and he has sort of heard my songs and he, uh suggested that well actually I, I had um I had put some songs together into like an album um format just at the suggestion of a friend um saying oh you should you should put these into an album because I just I kept on making these songs and I didn't really know what to do with them. I just sort of sat on my phone or my computer, just gathering virtual dust, <laughs> <laughs> just heard by nobody. So I started just to let like a couple of friends hear them. And um, yeah, so I've just sort of gone on other people's suggestions really I've, in terms of sharing stuff. And when people have said, oh, why don't you do this? I just think, what would happen if I say yes? Let me just try that and see what happens. Um, and so far it's been really good. But I think um, a few years ago, there just wouldn't have been any way of me being able to say yes to things like that. I, I, I just wasn't in a place, like mentally, I couldn't have um, had the sort of presence of mind to to put myself out there because yeah I just struggled too much with my mental health really um but then yeah more recently I've I've had been on some really good medication and um it's really helped me um with my uh like stabilize my mood and stuff and um it's made me much more capable of doing things that i actually enjoy <laughs> the thing you're talking about like give it to a friend a friend gives it to a friend it lands in the hands of somebody cool who wants to do with it that's really that's a really cool story and does it also does that reaction also make you think like creatively it must be very inspiring and must make you it kind of lights a fire in the right places, right? Of the brain where you kind of go like, I want to do more of that then because obviously there's approval of what I do. People like it. So it's like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be inspired to do 
more than I thought I was originally even going to do or like working at a greater pace perhaps actually it hasn't really been like that I've I mean that's it's nice to think like that oh well people like it therefore I'll do more but that has never occurred to me to be honest I just like the thing that drives me to create is just the process of creating it's just like that's the state of flow that I want to be in like as much of the time as I can <laughs> because that's just I don't know if I can even say I enjoy it I mean obviously I do enjoy it it's just like it's um it's something that I need to do like just to um yeah I don't know it making music is it's become like a sort of therapy for me I suppose just consolidating emotions and thoughts and yeah that's why I do it it's I, I certainly haven't done it with any thought of oh people might like this but it doesn't it honestly didn't occur to me that anyone would be interested in it when I was making it um and and I've written quite a lot of songs just because of that just because I I enjoy the process of making songs that's what I want to be doing as much of the time as I can <laughs> get away with so um yeah if if other people like them then that's that's great i i'm glad that um you know other people maybe feel a connection with them but equally if if people hate them and think they're terrible that doesn't really bother me either because i wasn't making them for other people anyway so um and i'm sure like yeah i mean everyone's taste is a unique thing so I'm sure there'll be plenty of people that don't like my music at all, but that that's that's cool with me. So <laughs> I don't mind either way. I just feel like um, it just helps my brain making music. So that's why I keep doing it. <laughs> Is it important to you to not have a schedule by, by which you create and sort of let the moment sort of seize you? Um, because I know a lot of writer um, friends of mine who get up every day at five and write till eight and then live their life. That that has never appealed to me as a writer. Um, I've always felt like you do it when when it when it tells you it needs to be done. Um, so how are you in terms of your of your discipline? Do you is there a daily discipline or do you try to avoid getting into that pattern? I never kind of I've never forced myself to write songs I've never sort of been like oh right I really need to make a song now so I better sit down and get that done it's not it's it's more like I mean luckily I've never had that sort of pressure I've never had to be like right I need some money and time <laughs> I need to right. um, it's not like I'm writing music for for money I have um you know my money is from other work <laughs> so um yeah so I've never had 
that sort of pressure. Um, so, but I I play music every day, and I don't write a song a day. But some days I might write a couple of songs, um, just because that's what's coming out. I mean, some days I'll I'll just play through songs that I've already made, and um, other times I'll just think like, oh, I want to make up something new now, so I'll sit and just play around and see what comes out. And sometimes nothing much. Sometimes it's nothing that I want to develop particularly. But I do really enjoy making, uh, it might sound a bit pretentious, but like uh, like haiku equivalent, like little mini songs, like that are just like a minute long or something, just little, um, uh, yeah, miniature songs. I like just coming up with, like improvising, I guess, but I, I I write stuff down when I improvise, so I'll make little notes um, because I'm not very. I've never learnt like like how to play jazz or you know I don't really have the those sort of inbuilt chord progressions or um, flourishes or anything. Everything I do, I have to build it up bit by bit. Like, oh, that sounds nice. What can I do next? So I write down as I'm as I'm making the music, I'm writing it down and then sort of reading it back and going over it rather than um, sort of improvising in a way a proper like jazz musician would be able to. Um, so yeah sorry i'm getting i'm going off on a tangent now i think <laughs> no no i totally understand what you mean and what you're saying is these fragments that you create those could blossom into something longer than a minute right those fragments are the root of of songs yeah yeah and then sometimes i'll write um like usually i'll come up with like a a little melody or will sort of come to mind but Sometimes I'll write lyrics first and be like, oh, I, I, I seem to want to get this idea down or out or whatever. But um, And then I'll come up with a tune to the words. But um, yeah, I suppose most often the two sort of come at the same time, the words and the music sort of feed into each other um yeah in terms of how i actually create and then there's other like this is when i sit at the at the keyboard and make stuff but then i've made quite a few songs like on on the album that um that i actually made just in um, Garage Band or uh, Logic, um, just um, so I made, I wrote the song whilst recording the song. The song evolved from the recording mm. process. So, as, and then I end up with these little songs that I've recorded. And I'm like, oh, I don't really know how I can play that live because I haven't written it down and I don't know. Don't really know how I did it. It just kind of developed <laughs> on its own, and now I need to work out 
what the notes are and how I actually play it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's quite a a fun way of writing songs. Sorry, I don't. Can you hear my dog barking? Uh, I, no, I, well, I I don't have a problem with your dog barking at all. <laughs> Sometimes I can uh, like, like people's like cats will walk by or like a kid <laughs> will run in or something. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> Someone will be handed food. We like dogs barking. We're fine with it. I can't <laughs> barking. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I was interviewing uh, Dot Allison and her her dog sat right next to her while we... Yeah, I, that's the thing. My dog wants to come and sit next to me right now, but she's shut in another room and she's just at the door growling. I'm like, oh no, can you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like your, I feel like your dog should be on the podcast. Yeah, she probably will be in a minute. Is she? <laughs> are you? Um, what are you listening to these days? Are you? Do you find that you're listening to a lot of the same stuff you listened to as a kid that you've carried that with you into your adult life, or, or have you found new stuff that you that you find inspiring that you like? I listen to, well, certainly some stuff that I've listened to through most of my life, like certain bands and stuff but i i like to find new stuff as well but um things um well like the band uh low i sort of grew up loving low and their last two albums i have really um really loved and they've kind of um well especially double negative I think when I was listening to that I was having a bit of a a kind of crisis a, a bipolar crisis I was I had this um episode of um dysphoric mania so it's like being really um everything being really fast like my thought patterns just being totally out of control basically um but without being in a good mood being in a feeling kind of low mood but not being able to keep still just really racing thoughts and um uh, seeing things and hearing things that weren't real and and stuff like that and during that time somehow i latched on to listening to um double negative and it it really um helped me it was yeah like a sort of therapy just bringing me it, it definitely it had a sort of a calming influence on me at the time um and then i love hey what as well the, their album hey what which i saw them play a show in uh in london a place called hackney church um and that was only a few months before um mimi parker um passed away so i feel really privileged that i i saw them play that um yeah so that's one band that i've I've been into for a long time but then there's other people that I've only discovered more recently like um Gia Margaret would you know Gia Margaret mm, uh, no um 
she plays like synths and keyboard and stuff and makes really she's got a lovely voice as well but um i particularly like her second album which um apparently she was touring her first album and she lost her voice so she couldn't sing um for quite a while and she kind of retreated into her um i don't know where she records but wherever she records she she um went and just recorded this instrumental album um and it's really rather special i really like it i think it, the album is called mia i don't even know how i say it mia gargarit <laughs> it's like her name but with some of the letters swapped around um but yeah that's a really really beautiful album i enjoy that um but yeah i i don't know another thing i i've enjoyed listening to recently um is a catalog of unabashed gratitude by a, a poet called ross gay um with Bonivere doing the the music, but mm. it's essentially a, a poem. It's quite long. It's like, I think it's about a fifteen minute piece. Um, but yeah, it's a really really um, beautiful piece of work. But um, yeah, I don't know. I could I could reel off a load of things I've been listening to. I don't know how many. Um, how many more to talk about but um yeah i mean there's uh, i i've i have i like um things like a bit of i used to listen to things like um modest mouse and um shellac and um uh, slint and yeah so I'd, I think um, they've sort of influenced me in in a way but I don't think you'd know that from any of the music that I make <laughs> mm, right because so, slint and shellac are sort of a especially shellac is sort of like there's something discordant yeah about about the about the sound even though it's not disorganized but there is a dis obviously there's a discordant kind of element to and then and then on the other side of that low is this like exercise and stillness that's so beautiful and so focused it seems like the direct opposite of of shellac but yet at the same time there is a through line and it's interesting to hear you name check slant um that's something like uh you know, us like sort of like indie rock American kids, it's like Slint has always been like the secret, you know, like this like sort of like kind of hipster secret that people have. But um, I love Slint. I didn't expect you to say that. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, I used to really love Slint when I was younger. I mean, definitely those sort of bands influenced the music that I was making when I was in like about 20 something. Um, yeah, and a bit of sort of math rock type stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of fed into what we were doing at the time. Um, and we were sort of messing around with like circuit bent toys and um, <laughs> tape echoes and 
pedals and stuff like that. That was really, really fun. Just, um, yeah, putting, what, oh, I can't remember what I had. It was a, oh no, I've forgotten what it was called. Something, a Korg? I can't remember the name of my keyboard. I had this really cool keyboard and it eventually died and I threw it out, <laughs> but I had it for a long time. Um, and yeah, I used to put that through effect pedals and um, tape loops and stuff. Um, just make a load of noise really, but it was really fun. You grew up in, in what city are you from? Um, I grew up uh, near a city called Canterbury in Kent in the southeast so of England. So it's not it's only about an hour away from London, really. So it's just remarkable to me that that a band like Slint would make it over into mm. you know, it's just so cool. I I love hearing mm. about how people discover stuff. I know in the digital age that's an easier thing. But yeah. back when Slint was recording, when they were mm. an active band and you know, people were finding out about them without the benefit of the internet and because things go so quickly. Mm. Um there's a lot of stories like that. It's just very cool. I like hearing about that. Who turned you on to Slint? How did you find out about these guys? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know how we, just me and my my friends, we quite liked, I, I don't, I guess it was from going to, there was this thing called All Tomorrow's Parties. Oh, yeah. Like a little festival. We used to go to that and um but we already knew about the bands. I don't oh, I don't really know how we maybe it was from the internet. I don't know. I don't know I don't remember how we actually discovered our love of these bands. Because um, for me it was just through friends, but I don't know how they found out about these bands, so yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> sorry. Have you um have you heard Chavez? Have I heard what? Sorry. The band Chavez. It's C H A V E Z. No, I don't know them. So I might be wrong about this, and I should check before mm -hmm. I tell you this. But I think that Chavez they did two records for Matador, and I think it has some guys from Slint in it in that band. All right. Yeah, check them out. There's a an album called Gone Glimmering. And another one called Ride the Tiger, I think. I could have that all wrong. But anyway, Chavez, check them out. Because if you're a slunk guy, I think you'd in, enjoy that. But um, I'm I'm really happy that you talked to me today. It's just fun to talk about music and art and life. And and I appreciate you being so open um, about, about uh, the stuff that you deal with and that you have confronted and have... Um, you know, the creative process and the, the process by which you... Um, you know, identified the sort of the, the dealing with bipolar um, disorder and and just being so open. I, I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you taking the time to to chat. Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah, I hope you'll come back on and and great job with the music. I just I just love what you do. And I just think your um, I think your stuff is really stirring and really um, it's got this just this this beautiful quality to it. It's like nothing I've ever heard. So I, I'm mm -hmm. uh, Congratulations on on um, beautiful, beautiful art. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad it's connected with you.
It has connected indeed. What a beautiful album Marlity has put out. I'm not sure at all is the name of it. Go get it. Marlity, M-A-R-L-O-D-Y dot bandcamp dot com or go to her record label, skepwax.com, S-K-E-P-W-A-X dot com. If I'm not mistaken, there are some very cool vinyl options. So go and check out what's happening with Skepwax and Marlity. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. I do have a new book, which is coming out in the spring. May 1st, the Adventure Teen All-Stars will be hitting the streets. More on that very, very soon, I promise. In the meantime, keep connected on Twitter at Ember's Editor or on Instagram at Ember's Podcast or just email me, editor at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. We have some big shows coming up. I don't want to spoil you know, the surprise of who's going to be on the program. But let me say this. You will be very surprised. Is that enough? It's not Beyonce. That'd be, I'd be surprised if Beyonce showed up for the show. That would mean, by the way, that she'd been reading all my emails. At any rate, we're very excited about the future, and we thank you for your continued listenership. BobshellRadio.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with our radio station, find out what makes us tick. And don't forget, not that you would, but just in case you did, Stereo Embers the Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell all your friends. We would really appreciate it. Uh, Let's close the program with a longer listen to Otherly by Marlity, taken from her new album, I'm Not Sure at All, which, to be totally frank, is a remarkable, remarkable album. So, enjoy the song. I'll see you next time, right here, on Stereo Embers, the podcast only on Bombshell Radio. Of this, there is the hint.
of some strange fiction.